Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, happy Labor Day. Hope you are getting the day off. If you're not... Well, sorry about that. Maybe you'll catch a day off soon. But if you are enjoying a day with family and friends and happen to be listening, we're glad to have you along. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm on this Monday, the second day of September. We waited a long time for it, the start of the college football season. We've got one game left in the full opening week. And week one, when you looked at the slate of games, we did this on Friday, right? We did it on Thursday and Friday. We looked at it and we go, yeah, not the best slate of games for week one, but it delivered a lot of entertainment to uh, to start the college football season. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. You can uh, check out the website mslandbank.com at Mississippi Land Bank. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Still working on uh, getting Brian Haydad connected. I think his phone line took the uh, the day off this afternoon, so we'll check in on Haydad uh, just in a moment. Brian Scott Rippey is in the studio. Michael Borky is in the Jackson studio. We're glad to have uh, you on board this afternoon. Rippey, what's up? Not Besides much. that big chug of Red Bull to start things off. Yeah, feeling good. Uh, not a whole lot. Press conference earlier today? Yeah, um, about what you'd expect. Same questions as over the weekend. They just had a chance to watch film. No real injury news or anything, but important week coming up for Ole Miss. Braylon Sanders potentially out this week with a hamstring injury. He's, he did not play in the second half against, uh, against Memphis. He was the only one. It's questionable for this week. Other than that, I think they came out pretty healthy. Uh, Borky, how are you on a Monday? Uh, doing well, doing very well. It's nice to have football back. The debut of Sports Sunday with Michael Borky and Stephen Gagliano yesterday. You caught that uh, perhaps from 8 until 10 on uh, on Super Talk Mississippi. That is an ongoing thing moving forward. And this coming week, not only will you have the uh, the recap of the college football Saturday, but also a look ahead to all the NFL games that are happening on Sunday, and uh, my guess is they might even peek ahead to uh, the Monday night game between the Houston Texans and the New Orleans Saints down in the Dome. think we've got Haydad connected now, back from New Orleans after the weekend. What's up, my man? What's going on, man? Great to be back in, in the great state of Mississippi and be with you on this Labor Day. We'll get to the game in a second. How was the, uh, how was the trip to NOLA? It was all right, you know. I was still battling that head cold or whatever was getting me last week, so I I didn't make a uh, you know normal New Orleans trip out of it. I just sort of took it easy. But I I, I ate good food. I enjoyed my trip in the dome. I got I got confirmation after all these years of uh, reading Saints beat writers that the press box 
in the Superdome is, in fact, really cold and really high up off the ground. Which the the crazy thing is uh, about that, it's cold, but it's so much closer to the sun than the rest of us. <laughs> well, there's a giant roof between you and the sun, though. So. Well, yes, uh, there are uh, things like uh, that. Give me a high-level thought from the season opener for Mississippi State, uh, kind of uh, from from 30,000 feet before we which, really dive in. Which is about where the press box is. Uh, offensively, they looked about what I expected. Defensively, they looked nothing like what I expected. Okay. And that's where we that's where we, we would start. I thought offensively, I thought Stevens looked the part. Kylan Hill getting twenty seven carries is a great thing. But defensively, they they got some work to do. Obviously missing some of their key guys via suspension hurt them. But the guys that are on the field have got to play better than they played on Saturday if this team wants to to be, you know, a, an eight plus win team. Does it feel like there's any more clarity on the suspension front as to who's out for significant games and how they're going to go about going through that process? It it looks like what we know is this. Uh, Joe Moorhead had, had told us today in the press conference that Jace Christman was going to be back. I think his suspension was from a disciplinary issue. I think he was arrested. I hate to say that because I'm not 100% sure, but it was something uh, during the offseason. He, he had a run-in with some legal issues. Okay. Uh, so he's back. Michael Story... I have to think maybe his suspension is just another uh, addition to what happened with him and the animal cruelty charge that he faced. I had not heard his name previously with anything. So my my other thought is this. I don't think State's going to announce some suspensions unless they affect the two deep. For example, I know that Jalen Maiden did not travel with the team to the game okay. on, uh, on, on Saturday. But he wasn't announced as one of the suspensions because he wasn't on the two deep uh, on Monday. So I think State is gonna. You're gonna see guys. I think you'll see guys like Willie Gay, Lee Autry, Marcus Murphy the rest of the way. But there are gonna be some guys you don't see their names, but you're also gonna notice that they're not dressed out. One story that we'll get into in just a little bit. Keaton Thompson has returned to Mississippi State's team. Was he in New Orleans on Saturday? Was not. Did not travel with the team. Okay. But has elected to stay put and I guess read into that whatever you will with regard to the transfer. Maybe he decided being in this place was the best thing for him. Maybe he didn't find the market that he wanted in the transfer portal. Is there is there more to read into than just he changed his mind and decided to stay? My, my guess is, and it's just a guess because I haven't talked to Keaton, is at this late point in the game, a week into the season basically, the options aren't going to be very good. Everybody's sort of set with where they're going, and you're not going to be able to come in right away and play. So you've got that redshirt year available to you. I, Joe Moorhead said today that he would try to do the best. He said his comment, his quote was, we're going to take what's best for the team and then what's best for the individual, and hopefully they, those two things can work in concert with each other. So my guess is they will try to redshirt Keaton Thompson and allow him to have two years of eligibility or to remain to transfer out. Uh, but if if they if they can't if they have an emergency situation, the Keaton is willing to to play and and do what it takes to to be a part of this team. Well, my only question about that is, will he be a graduate transfer? That seems like a a, a fair assumption. He he enrolled at Mississippi State in December of 2016. You have to think he's probably pretty close to his degree. Okay. My, my guess again, it's just a guess. He will play out this season. Go into spring next year and, and see what happens with the competition. And if he doesn't feel like he has that job won going out of the spring of 2020, he will he will probably move on. But 
we'll see what happens between now and then. If nothing else, State's quarterback situation is a little bit more stable today than it was on Saturday where you had Stevens and then true freshman Garrett Schrader and then a walk-on behind him. Now you at least have a scholarship quarterback who's played in games as a backup available to you. Rippy, same thing with you. High-level observation, 25,000 feet or so from the uh, the season opener for Ole Miss, losing at Memphis 15-10. to Offensive line, not good. Uh, defense as a whole was surprising to me in terms of they were better than I thought. Um, I think that like, I was surprised at how surprised people were that the offense struggled, but I think probably the offensive line struggled maybe worse than people thought, and so that kind of snowballed everything else. We may be guilty of this. I'm not sure that you um, specifically are guilty of this. We we talked about how this offense was going to look different in terms of personnel, but it's almost like you need to get on the field and see it and realize that you're missing three receivers that are in the NFL and three starters on the offensive line and a quarterback who was pretty darn good and that having to replace all of that is hard to do if you're not recruiting at the level of Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, etc. Um, yeah, and the scholarship things in the past hasn't helped, but yeah, I mean, they lost the entire, what, left side of their offensive line last year? I'm, um, and that, that includes the center, and you have guys that haven't played a lot of football. I think the... Uh, I don't think people necessarily took into account just how big of a drop-off it was going to be on the offensive line because you went from having Laramie Tunzel, Greg Little types at left tackle to you know, not having players of that caliber. Well, yeah, I mean, Michael Howard started at left tackle and he weighs 280 pounds. And really, really struggled, and they continuously loaded up that left side. I believe that safety came on a blitz where they overloaded the left side, and that won't be the first or the last time that teams try to do that against them. Do you they ag- got to figure something out. Nick Broker's going to play something this week. They've got to figure something else out. What the the way the six man rotation, I guess, where they played the five starters and Bryce Matthews isn't going to cut it. They got to figure something else out personnel wise, particularly on that left side. Do you think there's an opportunity for the offense to get better than it was in week one? Yeah, I think it was better in the second half. They just only got the ball four times. That's a good point. They moved the ball into Memphis territory every drive they had, if I'm not mistaken, with exception of the... They basically had three possessions and then the safety. They had three possessions and then the one play where Corral got killed in the end zone. Um, and so they moved it into, They moved the ball much better in the second half, but Memphis controlled the clock. The defense got tired. It was, what, 82 plays to 53 plays? It just kind of all added up. They couldn't overcome how bad they were in the first half offensively. Orky, we'll uh, we'll get to you when we come back, and we'll go kind of big picture college football. Uh, your high level observations from the uh, the first week of the season, and then we'll kind of dive into Mississippi State's game with uh, Louisiana. A lot happened in the opening weekend. You had uh, uh, a pretty compelling game between Auburn and Oregon in Arlington. Compelling is not the word that you would use to describe Tennessee and Georgia State. Heisman hopeful quarterbacks were incredible in week one. Jackson State's mascot got a 15-yard penalty. And Hugh Freeze, I don't know if you know this or not, but he kind of likes attention and will apparently go to any means to get it. Well, spin doctors on a Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along 
on this Labor Day. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy. Thank you for being with us. Did you guys do anything? Um, um, did I say Memorial Day, or did I say Labor Day, or did I not say either? You were starting to say Memorial Day. It sounded like. Yeah, I think I just shut myself down. It's like I caught it before. You did you guys do it, anything Labor Day related before uh, for work? Well, if you call going on a run this morning, falling, busting up your knees and elbows and hands and being covered in blood and then putting the show together, then yeah, I did a lot of Memorial Day stuff. Labor Day. Whatever. Uh, Wait, you went for a run and yeah, busted I, up your knees and hands? Man, you- I'm such an idiot. So I take my dog on a run basically every day. And uh, we we live in a really old neighborhood. And the roads haven't been paved in a long time. The sidewalks haven't been fixed in a long time. Just an old neighborhood. And I guess I wasn't paying attention, and I my foot hit like an elevated slab of concrete on the sidewalk, and I went flying forward and used my elbow on my left arm and my hand on my right arm to break my fall. So I've got, like, my right hand is just covered in, like, gauze and wrap right now so I don't bleed all over the the control board in the studio and i just sat there for like five minutes contemplating my life because of how stupid i was and then i got cleaned up and put the show together so that was my day i went bowling and saw a movie this morning no no yesterday i was gonna say that was a busy start to the day (laughs) yeah no i didn't do anything this morning i did the podcast press conference road some yesterday what'd you bowl um, I got got three games in. First one was bad. Second one was less bad. And the third one, I got like one sixty. Not not too shabby for me. What were the scores on the first two? Uh, if we're being totally honest, I was really bad with the last two frames. And uh, the person I was playing with, I was going to lose anyway. So I gutter balled it twice on the second one because it ended at sixty nine. And then the first one was like one hundred five. <laughs> So the last one was way better. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And I'm not very good at air hockey either. We had like an hour wait, so I played like an arcade game for the first time since I was probably 12 or 13. You're not good at air hockey. No. It's like not no hand-eye coordination? Uh, I think it's more of a reflex thing. Okay. You get the pucks on net, I can't stop them. All right. Um, hey, Dad, let's, uh, let's take a peek at the... Um, the game from Saturday. We'll start with kind of some numbers as we uh, we walk through this. Mississippi State wins at 38-28, tied at 7 at the end of the first quarter. Bulldogs took a 21-14 lead into the half, up 28-14 at the end of the three. Um, Mississippi State led in the game 35-14 with 13-07 to play. A couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter for Louisiana. Got it close, made it a one-score game. Mississippi State kicks a field goal with a minute and change left. Uh, Jordan Lawless hits from 37 yards out to make it 38-28. That was the uh, the final margin in the ballgame. Kylan Hill, 27 carries for 197 yards and a touchdown. Tommy Stevens carried it 11 times for 37 yards and a touchdown. Nick Gibson also had a rushing touchdown on a couple of carries. Uh, Mississippi State gave up, though, 164 yards on the ground. Through the air, Tommy Stevens, 20 of 30, two touchdowns, no picks, 236 yards, sacked twice. And then uh, Levi Lewis for uh, for Louisiana, 34, uh, 24 of 39, couple of picks, one touchdown, threw for 267 yards in the game. Do those numbers tell the story for you, or 
those are just numbers. No, they, they do a pretty good job of telling the story, to be totally honest. I thought, you know, offensively, State was good. You mentioned Kylan Hill, 27 carries. I mean, I almost know. I almost want to know if that's too many carries in the first game for Kylan Hill, which is a stark departure from last season when we were sweating him getting 10 carries in a game. I thought Stevens was very good, 20 of 30. He was a couple of throws away from uh, from having a really big day. He had a, a nice throw to Isaiah Zuber that was called back on, penal, on a penalty. He missed a deep throw to Osiris Mitchell that would have ended up being about a 60-yard touchdown. He had just overthrew him by a couple of yards. But for the most part, I thought he looked the part. He looked like a, a quality quarterback. He made his reads. He checked down. He went through his progressions. He, he didn't just you know throw to the first guy or take the easy check down or whatever like that. I, I thought he was very good. But defensively, State, you know, was bailed out by turnovers, which is something that, you know, Bob Shute talked about a lot last year that as good as that defense was, it didn't force a lot of turnovers. State forced five turnovers on the day Saturday. Uh, and they were, they were pretty good defensively. They, they had some busts here and there, but like you mentioned, it was 35-14, and I think ULL was still under, uh, 300 yards at that point. But then they put together a 70-yard drive and a 99-yard drive, uh, in, in the fourth quarter to get a couple of touchdowns. Uh, State's defense just didn't play well in the fourth quarter, didn't really play particularly great all day. I, I thought ULL's, their, their scheme, their misdirection, I thought Billy Napier did a, a good job with that. And, and, and there were times they were just more physical than Mississippi State, which is a very scary statement to make uh, when you think about who State plays later in the season. But there were times where UL, the, the Cajuns were able to move the pile and, uh, and you know, control the line of scrimmage at times against Mississippi State. Uh, so defensively, they got some work to do, but I thought offensively they looked pretty good, and, and you got what you wanted out of Stevens. We talked earlier briefly about perhaps underselling the losses on the offensive side for Ole Miss. We've talked a lot about the fact that Mississippi State had three first-rounders on the defensive side, and then other guys that either graduated or moved on, you know, whatever. Uh, and so there were big keys, and and I don't think that that's been an under talked about storyline. But you and others have said, yeah, but yeah, sure, the defense probably takes a step back from where it was a year ago, but it's not a significant step back. Are you reevaluating that at all after one game? Well, you have to reevaluate it for two reasons: one, the game itself, the the team just didn't look that good, but two. Now that you have an idea of who's going to be missing time and you see that Lee Autry, who is going to be penciled in as a starting defensive tackle, and Willie Gay, a starting linebacker, are probably going to miss seven more games, if I had to guess. Uh, you have to reevaluate it a little bit. Now that said, Bob Shoup is a good defensive coach, and I think there's talent there. So there's an opportunity for them to, to fix some of the busts they had. But after one game, yeah, it, it's totally reasonable to say, okay, defensively, maybe the, the regression is going to be a little bigger than we all thought it was going to be a couple of weeks ago. Errol Thompson had 10 tackles. That led everybody on the defensive side for uh, for Mississippi State. Did he play well? He played well. I wouldn't say he played great. You know, like I said, 10 tackles is good, and, and he did a pretty decent job. But he had some missed tackles as well. Missed tackles was a huge issue for Mississippi State. They, they, they just weren't a very solid tackling team at times on Saturday. Uh, both he and Leo Lewis missed some tackles. They had an opportunity to get some sacks, but James Jackson, Kobe Jones, Fletcher Adams weren't able to, to finish those plays. Those are plays that a state makes. We might be looking at this game completely differently, but they didn't make them, and so it, it sort of is what it is. Uh, they've got Heat Thompson, the, the whole team, has. they have a lot of room for improvement, and, and they'll need to do that uh, this weekend with Southern Miss coming to town. Is the 163 on the ground the most concerning part 
of of the equation kind of defensively. Yeah, for for sure. I thought the secondary played pretty well. You know, the the the, the passing yardage, a lot of yard after the catch, a lot of of, of you know running in there. Not a lot of deep balls, not a lot of attacking the secondary, a lot of short throws that turned into big plays. The running is is certainly something to be concerned about because, like I said, if you're being pushed around a little bit on the line of scrimmage by Louisiana, what is going to happen when you play Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, teams like that? That's that's a worrisome sign for Mississippi State. They've got to get better up front. You know, you've got a young defensive line that's hampered, like I said, by the, the absence of Lee Autry. Those guys have got to start growing up pretty quickly. In uh, in terms of press conference bingo, did uh, Joe Moorhead mention today the uh, greatest improvement occurring between week one and week two? He mentioned it during the uh, post-game press conference, so he was ahead of the game on that one. Oh, wow. Before the bingo cards were even made. Did we, uh, did yeah. we get that bingo? First sentence. Third or fourth word it started. Really? Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I thought that I exactly thought of y'all when that when he said that. I was like, hey, "Did you laugh out loud when it was said?" I did not laugh out loud because I'm a well-behaved young man. But no. Wonder if uh, if Jay Hobson mentioned that today as well. Let's go back and uh, check the uh, the audio from uh, Jay Hobson's meeting. Get the with transcript. The, uh, the media as well. Check the uh, check the chan- transcript. Um, what else stands out to you from Saturday for Mississippi State? We hit on some negatives there. I'll give you a couple of positives. I thought the offensive line played pretty well, uh, especially when you consider they had to shift a lot of guys in, in and out. Daryl Williams and Darian Parker were both injured in that game and sat out the entire second half. Uh, Moorhead said today they, they're just day-to-day, and they expect them to be back at practice and should be okay. Uh, but the State did a pretty good job of controlling the line of scrimmage, like you see, with, uh, with Hill rushing for 197 yards. Tommy Stevens... 11 carries, but three or four of those are scrambles that came under pressure. The design runs he had, he ran the ball pretty effectively. And I thought State's receivers looked really good. A lot of improvement there, especially Osiris Mitchell, six catches for 88 yards. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon, Labor Day. Glad to have you along. Almost have the entire first week of the college football season in the books. You've got one game coming up tonight, Notre Dame and Louisville going to uh, bring an end to the first week of the college football season. I want to be excited about that game. I'll watch it because it's on. I'm having a hard time getting jazzed up about the uh, the Irish and the, uh, the Louisville Cardinals. Sports Talk Mississippi, back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Ceasefire text line is open this afternoon, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. You can text the show that way, Ceasefire, customer inspired. A couple of uh, things from the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Jason says, LOL at KT being back. Keaton Thompson, I have an idea what that conversation was like. Okay. Uh, Gary says, hey, Richard. Tell Haydad to come down on Tommy Stevens. We played Louisiana, so don't go putting him up for the quarterback of the year just yet. Jeez. I must have missed where I did that. I think you asked him to clear a mantle. Yeah. I asked him what his ring size was. Okay. There were a couple Uh, of times in the game, though. He was good. I'm not saying he wasn't good. There were a couple of times, though, and one led to a turnover where his internal clock is off. And it's hard to 
realized that even though he's a veteran and all the talk in the offseason was he's been in Moorhead system for four years and he's a senior, this is his first time really being a, a, a starting quarterback, the quarterback, and uh, so there might be some growing pains as well. But that's something I noticed. Uh, Haydad mentioned the, uh, the missed deep ball. There's a couple of other passes along the way, but he was competent throwing the football that internal clock's got to get a little bit faster, though, because one led to a turnover. Another was a, a sack in the red zone uh, that set Mississippi State back. So little things like that he's got to clean up. But, again, he's quarterback one for the first time ever. Yeah, and he addressed that uh, the turnover as well. He said that there was a protection check that he missed that he should have been able to, to, to catch that at the line of scrimmage and get a blocker over there. He missed it. And, and sort of, it's, I would imagine a lot of that's what you said, though, that you know just – Getting to start for the first time, the amount of information to process, there were going to be a couple of busts here and there. Unfortunately, that was a costly one for Mississippi State because it put him, it took him from a situation to put the game away maybe pretty early, be up 14 to nothing, to uh, giving Louisiana some new life. Um, C Spire text line, John in Hardeman County. Thanks for some live radio on Labor Day. Thanks for joining us, John. Uh, Jeff says, I think a lot of Southern Miss fans left the Rock Saturday night shaking their head. Because the Golden Eagles are not good at all. They won 38 to 10 in the opener against Alcorn State. Here's another one. Southern Miss has to do a better job running the football if they want to beat Mississippi State. They only scored 24 points against Alcorn. The 38 total included a couple of uh, kick returns. Uh, the other, okay, there you go. 14 on special teams. Got to turn those field goals into touchdowns. Jack Abraham has to do better. He left four throws on the field that he should have made. That's from Eagle Eye just a couple of minutes ago. Greg and Nettleton says, Matt Corral got to settle down back there in the pocket. I'm sure the coaches will get that fixed. He's got the talent, no doubt. Cody and Tupelo State started two redshirt freshmen at D-tackle. It's going to take a little time. Missed too many tackles. Defense will improve week to week. Um, Sean in Macomb. What will it take to get Matt Luke to chew out the refs on a bad call? Two if he calls in the first quarter against Ole Miss aided Memphis's first score. Luke didn't say a word, just squinted and looked up at the video board. That's from John. And uh, Dan passes along his uh, enjoyment of Borky's Sunday morning show. That is from Dan in Charleston on the C Spire text line. Did uh, did Matt Luke say anything today about the, um, the sent, roughing the passer call in particular? Sent uh, when asked if he sent plays to the SEC office, he responded with yes. So he didn't really get an explanation uh, of the play, like of the roughing the passer play or whatever. Um, and, the, and the explanation. And that's why I'm insane. And I think I, I actually went back and watched it yesterday. I'm pretty sure that the uh, the referee described it. it wasn't the timing of the hit; it was the driving driving him, him the into ground. the ground. Did he uh, do that? I've not gone back and watched it. You could have call. you could have very easily not thrown that flag and not one person would have complained about it, if that makes sense. It, it is a very – I think that's a poor interpretation of the rule because you have a, a defensive end or linebacker or whatever you want to call his position going full speed, sizing up, sizing up a quarterback. He almost affected the throw. The timing was there, and he tackled the guy. He didn't pick him up and take a step and drive him into the ground – he form-tackled the quarterback, and it cost his team literally a touchdown a few plays later, and that was a third and long. I thought it was – it's not why Ole Miss lost the game at all, but th- that was a bad call. Uh, the SE- And that's where, to the texter's point, you would like to see your head coach, even if it's the right call, still get onto the refs a little bit. Defend your team some. 
That, that gave Memphis a first down. You got off the field again. And a borderline call at best went against your team. And you got to... But yeah, I, that's where we are in college football now. I mean, with, with the, the emphasis yelling, on protecting the quarterback and player safety, if you do anything other than just hit a quarterback as he's letting go of the football, they're going to throw a flag. Sure, but still let them voice your displeasure. Defend your team. Uh, Show Sam Williams that, look, uh, that was a form tackle. I'm not accepting that. I... Show some some passion in that regard. I see where uh, who was it? Uh, John and Macomb uh, is is frustrated with that kind of thing because it was at least from my vantage point a flag that shouldn't have been thrown. That was a football play. That was Sam Williams playing football, doing a football thing that should not have cost their team. And you need to let the officials know about that. Defend your guys. And I didn't see that. I I'm not, I just I mean I guess I. I I don't think anyone on that sideline would feel like he's not fighting for the team though because he didn't argue a call. Like I don't it wouldn't do it. Like what would that accomplish? It like it, what makes fans feel better? Okay, you can I mean say that, but it Nick Saban does it. Alabama gets calls. Nick Saban rides the officials all football game long and and Alabama gets calls. If you think officials are going to listen to Matt Luke in the way they listen to Nick Saban while he does his thing, well, then just put it. your hands up and give up, and then don't defend your football team. Then, then do that. I, I I didn't say that. I was only comparing what you said to of Nick Saban. Well, okay. I didn't say don't. I didn't say don't defend your football team, but there's no way an official is going to put up with what Nick Saban how he deals with officials from Matt Luke. Well, and you don't have to go full on Saban either, but at some point, voice your displeasure. Hey, Dad, what about this text? Um, let's see here. Uh, State looked like a defense playing down several players and missing three physical and emotional leaders from last season, playing for the win, not a blowout, and just trying to not get injured. Uh I mean, there's probably a little bit of truth in that. I mean, they're definitely missing those players, and Moorhead talked about that. He said that was part of his halftime talk when the defense was struggling a little bit. That you know, hey, Jeff Simmons and those guys are not coming back. We got you got to move on and play without them. Um, but that said, you know, you're playing a Sun Belt team. Uh, you should just have the talent advantage on them. Uh, I, I think I think that that's what Bob Sheep would say as well. That you know. Even with all those, those personnel losses in terms of what you lost from graduation and the guys you were missing for, from suspension, you still should have been you, you know, giving up almost 500 yards of total offense and 28 points to UL is not what people were expecting coming in this game. And I don't think it's what the team or the coaching staff was expecting either. 22,440 was the attendance. Was What was the crowd like? It was mostly Mississippi State. A lot, a lot of maroon and white. Uh, in in the stadium, basically from end zone to, to end zone, um, but twenty two. Excuse me, twenty two thousand is probably pretty close to accurate. Uh, you know, the, obviously the top uh, the top uh, deck of the Superdome was closed. Uh, they were just just in the lower the lower concourse there, um, and it was maybe two thirds to close to three quarters full, if I had to guess. Mm. So, I guess people that went probably had a really good time. But the people who, yeah, the, what I've seen online, people who went had enjoyed themselves. But it's just a question of not everybody went. I, I think for sure when we, what we were talking about last week about UL and what they rented and how they were going to have to pay for this, I, I feel sort of confident they probably lost money on this deal. 
Well, and that's not great for Mississippi State either when you look at the, the breakout of how the money was going to be distributed. When it came to, to net profit, Mississippi State was supposed to get 43%, I think, and it doesn't sound like there is going to be just a whole ton of net profit to be well, gained. Was it 43% of the profit or 43% of the ticket sales? Because the ticket sales money just is what it is, and then whatever is left is what ULL has to figure out what they're going to owe the Superdome. And the number net was in there somewhere, which makes me think, you know, we're not talking gross well, revenue. We're talking about all the expenses. I mean, state state uh, may not have made break. any money on this trip, but how often do you make money on a road game? I mean, that's, it's a road game. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, if state made any money whatsoever, it, it's it's a it's more than they'll make on any other road game this year. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're, you're probably right about that because this was one of those two for one setups, right? No, it was a one for one, but the 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 setup was in such a way that the home game was going to be played at the Superdome. Gotcha. And Mississippi State probably didn't have to play pay Louisiana as much to come to Starkville last year. If paid paid five hundred thousand dollars instead of probably the usual one point one one point two million. Yeah, I mean, for example, Georgia State got nine hundred fifty thousand to go to Knoxville on Saturday. And Not win. a great return on investment for the old Vols. No. It was a bad start to the day. Did you hear where a, uh, a boat in the Vol Navy caught fire? It was the first sign kinda, indicator. Yeah, it kind of went, uh, went downhill from there. So Mississippi State will meet Southern Miss on Saturday as uh, we roll into Week 2. We'll, uh, we'll take a little look, uh, just a quick peek ahead to uh, that game when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. So the push for 30,000 at the Rock was a success for the opener, 31,076, and the ad campaign has been 30K five times. That's uh, what they're trying to do at Southern Miss this year, get 30,000 to all five home games. They got the game started off with a bang as Jalen Adams had an opening 89-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Got a couple of field goals, uh, one at the um, 7.33 mark of the first quarter and then a field goal to walk it off into halftime, leading 13 to nothing. Alcorn State scored early in the third quarter, made it 13-7, to but then Southern Miss kind of got things rolling a little bit. Jack Abraham had a 55-yard touchdown pass to Neil McLaurin, made it 21 to seven. Alcorn kicked a field goal, made it 21 to 10, and then it was all Southern Miss the uh, the rest of the way. 14-yard touchdown run from Jack Abraham, an 80-yard punt return, big day for Jalen Adams. So he has a punt return and a kickoff return, both for 80 plus yards, and then a late field goal from Andrew Stein to make the uh, final margin. 38 to 10. So when you kind of hear the scoring recap, that does help you understand a little bit the uh, text that we had earlier about scoring touchdowns versus kicking field goals. When you uh, when you look at the numbers from the uh, the opener for Southern Miss, Jack Abraham was 18 of 28, 293 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked only one time in the game. Um, not great on the ground. D. Baker had eight carries for 35 yards. Steven Anderson, eight for 22 yards. Jordan Kemp had three carries for 20 yards. So not a ton of guys um, with much success on the ground. Jordan Mitchell had a nice day catching the football. Seven catches for 133 yards. Again, McLaurin was the only uh, touchdown reception in the uh, in the ball game. Defensively, Southern Miss uh, had Kyle Hemby with uh, six tackles in the game. Uh, as a team, they combined for five sacks 
and eight tackles for loss. So, hey, Dad, I mentioned all of that. Southern Miss rolls into uh, into Starkville on Saturday uh, for the, the second game. Everybody wants to get better, make their huge improvement from week one to week two. <laughs> and obviously, Mississippi State is much better than Alcorn State. So the competition level goes way, way up for Southern Miss. My question is, is it kind of the same team that you're facing two weeks in a row if you're Mississippi State? Is Louisiana a step ahead of Southern Miss? Are those two teams kind of on the same level? I'm not sure exactly how to answer that right now. I think it would be a good game if they played each other. I think USM is probably better defensively than Louisiana is, but Louisiana is probably ahead of them offensively. Uh, so that, that, that leads me to think that if State struggles again defensively this week, that's going to be a big red flag for me. But at the same time, you know, if, if State is, uh, successful offensively again against what I think is a pretty good USM defense, that would be a big positive. So State can learn a little bit about itself in, in this game against Southern Miss for sure. Early line on that game, Mississippi State's a 17 point favorite. So that's slightly less than the uh, the point spread was against uh, against Louisiana. Um, well, I think it finished at about eighteen and a half or nineteen. Moved a little bit late. Um, yeah, any kind of a feeling on this game without really digging into Southern Miss yet? I, I, that seems about right. I mean, if you told me that State won thirty-eight to seventeen or something like that, or third or. 35-14. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a whole lot of trouble believing that. You know, I, I think when you look at USM and, you know, they had those two return touchdowns, they, they, they had some issues offensively against Alcorn. Surely Mississippi State can, can, you know, hold that USM offense down. And then I think State can, can run the football successfully on USM. So, I mean, yeah, that, link, that line seems about right. But again, you know, last week I thought State was going to cover that that 20 point spread against uh, Louisiana and didn't. So it's all going to be up to the defense. They've got to be better uh, this week. Yeah, you, you, you have to you have to own up to it now. I mean, you yeah. had a monster guffaw and eye roll when Lee Sterling gave you uh, Louisiana I did. plus the points. And I felt really good about it at 35 to 14. I was like, okay, State's about to put this game away. They'll probably put up one more touchdown and, 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 uh, they were going to be right on what I predicted. I said forty-two to fourteen, uh, but the fourth quarter just did not go the Bulldogs' way. The man is not in the business of losing money. He, he is not, Mister Sterling. I said the man figuratively or literally or both. Oh, I guess both. <laughs> um, have you guys seen the line for Alabama and New Mexico State early it's number? Like an over under. It's it should be the over under. It's the line though. fifty four. Is the total any different? I haven't seen a total on that game. I bet the total's like 62. Probably, yeah. Enough to give them a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, Some big numbers. Tennessee is a favorite at home this week against BYU. We'll get into some of what happened in the SEC as we uh, continue to move through the uh, the show this afternoon. Winners and losers coming up next. We want your winners and losers as well. You can send those to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. One hour in the books, more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Mississippi, right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
you stumped me right there. What is this? It's Pink Floyd. Oh, no, don't give me the oh, come on, because I heard the little scream at the beginning, and I thought, that's an odd day for Thriller, and I was like, oh, wait, this is definitely not Thriller. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the beginning of Thriller? I can see that. Especially you if you're not overly familiar with Pink Floyd. You guys know I'm not big music guy, so anyway. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, Monday afternoon, Labor Day. You are with us, whether you're listening on the app, the Super Talk Live app, or listening in your car, or you're traveling today, which I guess if you're traveling, you probably would be listening in your car. Or maybe you're sitting out on the back deck and you got the grill going, ready to throw a little bit on the uh, on the grill for dinner tonight. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Maybe you're thinking about buying a piece of property so that one year from today, instead of being the guest of someone who's hosting a dove hunt or having to sit at home going, man, I really wish I had somewhere, sure would like to hunt some birds on the opening weekend, you can have your own spot. And you can rewind to, uh, what, early June? Plant your sunflowers or whatever else it is that you want to put and have that field completely ready to go. Mississippi Land Bank can help with that. Whether it's uh, buying recreational property or building a house in the country or if you're a farmer uh, that uh, has got uh, financing needs, Mississippi Land Bank in North Mississippi. MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. This should be fun today. How about some winners and losers? All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never quit. All right, I got a question as we, uh, we roll into winners and losers. Are you guys impressed with someone who says, doggone it, I want this, and I will not stop until I get it. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how hard I have to work. I don't care what i got to do. I am going to do what it takes to get the outcome that I'm looking for. Is that impressive to you? Is if that- they do it. Oh. Depends on what it is. Okay, so yeah, hey dad, you, for? you, hey dad, in this scenario would put Hugh Freeze on the winner's list. Oh my God. Because when when you look at Hugh Freeze and you go, first weekend of college football, I hadn't coached in two years. I'm laid up in a hospital bed. Well, hospital bed in a hotel room. Coaching my team through video conference. This first week of the season is going to go by, and I'm not even going to be an afterthought. I'm going to be less than an afterthought. Nobody's even going to think of me. I got to do something to get myself into the spotlight. I have got to do something to make people not forget about me and who I am and what I've got. What can I do? What can I do? I know what I can do. I can coach this football game from the coach's booth 
in a hospital bed. Just think about it. They'll interview me pregame. They'll put a microphone in my face, and I'll be in a hospital bed, and they'll tweet it, and they'll tweet it, and they'll tweet it, and some people will tag me, but even the people that don't tag me, they just put my name in it. I'll search for my name, and I'll still get the I'll see everybody that's talking about me. Winner. Except, in reality, not so much. Giant loser. What a loser. Woo. It would have only been topped if he'd have had someone perform some sort of procedure on him like during the game. But if Dr. Ben Carson had actually done a procedure on him, yeah. Holly Rowe reported you know, from outside the operating room. I can't go in right now. They have to keep it sterile. If he's under the knife while dialing up some sort of pass combo, that would be pretty impressive. Otherwise, I'm not really impressed. I mean, but seriously, you got to be impressed with somebody that said, I have to find myself in the spotlight. It's not about my football team. It's about me. As we discussed off air, the loser in this is probably the what the office chairs and press boxes because hospital beds are all the rage now. <laughs> How weird was that deal at the end where you got Dino Babers like giving the thumbs up to the coach's booth? Guess who closed? Hugh Freeze's very own Iowa wave. Great, great, great memes. Oh, the memes were fantastic. I will remember you. All right. On a slightly more serious note, winners from the weekend. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. He, he's the guy that lost his starting job as the uh, quarterback of the University of Alabama to uh, a guy named Tua. And it was entirely deserved. It was deserved for Tua to get the job. It was deserved for Jalen Hurts to lose the job. I think most of us feel like overall Jalen Hurts handled that situation pretty doggone well. He's a good team player, grad transfer. You got to pick a spot to go. Where are you going to go? Well, you might as well go to uh, a place that has the best quarterbacks coach in America who has coached the last two Heisman Trophy winners. So last night against the University of Houston, Jalen Hurts was a starter once again. And he's not in danger of losing his starting job anytime soon. The numbers for Jalen Hurts in that ball game last night off the charts impressive. 16 carries for 176 yards and three touchdowns. 20 of 23 for 332 yards and three touchdowns. 508 yards and six touchdowns. In game number one for Jalen Hurts at the University of Oklahoma. That's pretty darn impressive. That's a winner. All right, guys. Sorry, I talked a lot. We'll uh, we'll carry this into the next segment as well. Forky, give me a winner. I know it was against Georgia Southern, but when you throw more touchdowns and incompletions, you deserve to be a winner for the weekend. Joe Burrow was excellent uh, yep. spreading the football around. LSU looks like they are for real. Again, it's week one, overreaction. It's just Georgia Southern, but my goodness, that was impressive on Saturday night. Don't you wish you were only laying four and a half to Haydad instead of ten? I'm okay with ten. Haydad, you got a winner? I do. Phil Longo. What a great Phil performance. Phil the Thrill. Though. What a balanced performance. 250 yards on the ground and in the air. Pretty good in the red zone and enough to get a nice upset win. I, 
I, I, I called that win, you know, of my bet that I made it at the timeout sports lounge. The only one that hit was was North Carolina winning that game against South Carolina. Offensively, they looked really, really good, and I think last year might have been a fluke for them. They, they might be back in a bowl game pretty quick with Mac Brown and Phil Longo calling the shots on offense. Did, did you see about two minutes, two and a half minutes left, maybe it's four minutes left to go in that game, Phil Longo walk, walks over, and Mac Brown is, has assumed the coaching stance, you know, mm-hmm. where the – the legs are a little wide, and you lean down, you yeah. get both hands on your knees, and he's just kind of looking with his head on a swivel. And Phil Longo, like, leans over and says something to him, and Mac just shakes his head <laughs> as if to say, nope. I don't know what that conversation was. I don't know what Phil Longo was asking. I don't know. But my yeah, guess can is... You be- can you believe how bad a coach Will Muschamp is? That's what he said. Yeah. Uh, Rippy, you got a winner? I was going to go Mac Brown, but I was—I uh, guess I'll go Georgia State. They made nine hundred thousand dollars and beat an SEC school. Pretty good weekend. Yes, yes. Uh, Borky, I had scribbled down LSU impressive uh, on my winners list. Uh, oh, uh, Memphis's mascot. This is his birthday. Eleven years old. Day of the game. Yeah, I just don't understand. Is it safe to parade around a live tiger in a cage on a field that's 125 degrees? Because it does have fur, right? Uh, I don't know how closely you looked at that cage. Two air conditioning units on top of it. Oh. They had air conditioning pumped in there. It's ventilated. Okay. I talked to his handler a little bit. The you guy got a nice the, selfie with the tiger. I, I saw did. That. I tried to tweet it, but I don't think it went through. Yeah. Um, Liberty Bowl, a bit of a uh, cell hell hole. Did you tell it happy birthday? Uh, you know what? The the I, I told the the handler. I was like, "That is a beautiful animal." He said, "Thank you." What and, a jungle cat! And I I said uh, I said, "Does he actually live at the zoo?" He says, "No, he has a private residence." I said, "Oh, really?" He said, "Loves pepper." He said, "Look, eight cinnamon." How about this? <laughs> the guy said to me, that. "We don't have a lot of nice things at the University of Memphis, but we're really proud of Tom." <laughs> It was a nice-looking cat. That thing was huge. Dude, it was up close. He was absolutely gorgeous. I wish I'd had, like, a steak that I could have tossed in the cage and offered him a little happy birthday meal. It's a cool tiger. Cool tiger. We will continue uh, continue with winners and losers when we come back. We also want your submissions into the winners and losers segment. You can send them to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Greg in Nettleton, he says, not a winner or loser. I'll actually massage this just a little bit to make it a winner. He says, but the distance from Nashville to Athens, Georgia, may not be that far. But in college football terms, they are worlds apart. And I love Coach Mason. Go Vandy. The winner there for me would be Georgia's fans. That, Borky, we talked about it last week. We knew there was going to be a big Georgia crowd at that game. That was unbelievable. Every single camera shot in the stadium basically was full of red and black. Yeah, and I felt really bad for Derek Mason. They actually showed, I don't know if you got to see this, uh, a slow-mo of both teams entering the field, you know, like at the first commercial break or something. Yeah. And you see Derek Mason look up to his right. So the Vanderbilt's locker room, if you're in the press box, is on the right side of the stadium. And right. the, the, behind where the opposing team sideline is, he looks up there, 
and that entire side of the stadium was nothing but red. And you see him look up, look down, and shake his head as he's taking the field to coach this game. You saw that happen in real time. And Hmm. if we're doing winners and losers, losers are Vanderbilt fans because if Derek Mason really actually is on a hot seat and he's winning five, six games a year and putting a respectable product on the field when you do that with a ranked team coming into your stadium to start the season, you should have no expectations for your football program and you're lucky to have one. Because that's embarrassing. And if you fire a guy that's taking you to a bowl game with that going on inside of his own stadium, then that's a you problem. As I mean, Georgia was incredible out of the gate in that game. Just came out firing on all cylinders. I thought once Vanderbilt kind of withstood the opening barrage of punches, they actually played pretty well the rest of the game. Ran the football some, too. They did. They absolutely did. We learned a little bit about Vanderbilt. I stand by my, they're making a bowl game. They're going to go beat Purdue this weekend. They're going to lose to LSU. But there's there's six wins on that schedule if they play the way they did on Saturday for 12 games. Purdue's a Quinn, loser this weekend. They, they they had the game won and blew it out there on Friday night. Who are you talking about? Purdue. Oh. Wait, who did they play? Nevada. Nevada, right? Yeah. Hey. Uh, Quinn on the ceasefire text line sends us a picture of Joe Burrow. He says, and the dance begins, please doubt him. My book says winner. He also was impressed with LSU's defense in the uh, the opener. Very impressive. Um, this falls into the loser category. He was fully dressed, no bottom sheet on the bed, and a side rail up like he was going to fall out. Give me a break. Clearly, referencing Hugh Freeze. John in Greenwood, Tate Martell is a loser. At Ohio State, tweets directed at Justin Fields don't swing and miss, especially twice. Fields goes to Ohio State. Martell leaves to go to Miami because he's terrified to compete, and he doesn't play. Tate the talk Martell for the loser every week. Justin Fields is pretty darn good in the opener for uh, Ohio State. Uh, What other losers have you got? I got one. Borky? Oh, go ahead. Oh, you take it, hey, Dad. Willie Taggart. There is no way this is going to end well. Just no way. How are you coming back from this? You were up 31-13 on Boise. You've got the game in hand, and you completely give it away. There is nobody. You can't find a Seminole fan who has any faith left in Willie Taggart. That that I don't know that he'll be there at the end of this season. It's just, I, I get it's probably not all his fault. I really do get that because I know that the Jimbo Fisher did not leave that program in a good place. But at some point, you got to start winning football games, and that was a tough, tough, tough loss for him to start the season. Borky, you got a loser? Uh, yeah, a few. One, we've talked about it a few times, but the media that just gave the attention to a man that so desperately craved it was pretty embarrassing to see uh, on Saturday night. And also, was it just media? Oh, There's yeah. Everybody. Of course. Uh, of course, but the media should know better after everything that they know. They should know better. I get fans talking because it's funny. A coach that they don't really know much about outside of a scandal is waving in a hospital bed from the coach's box. Like That's kind of funny. But if you know anything, perpetuating that as anything other than sad was um, a loser. But really the SEC. The SEC lost to Wyoming, lost to Georgia State, had an 11-point lead late in the ballgame and lost to North Carolina, struggled with Toledo, 
struggled mightily with Portland State. It was an awful, awful weekend for supposedly the best conference in college football. We talked about Missouri possibly going undefeated up to the Georgia game on this very program last week, mm-hmm. and man, not, not so much. All right, weren't they up like seventeen to nothing or something? Fourteen nothing. I didn't watch any of that game, but I saw the score. Um, I had Jake Bentley on my losers list, but mm-hmm. I, I may soften just a bit. That he missed a wide open receiver on a seam route up the middle of the field with a minute and a half left that would have put South Carolina in front. And I understand that quarterbacks miss throws, but veteran quarterbacks don't miss that throw in that situation. It was like he got so excited that he had a guy open that he didn't set his feet and like lost all sense of where he was on the field and missed the receiver by about 10 yards, and then two plays later throws an interception. And they lose. It just wasn't a very good performance. But have you guys seen this news? Just saw it from the Big Spur. The Big Spur 247. Freshman Ryan Holinsky will be the Gamecocks starting quarterback moving forward. Senior Jake Bentley is out indefinitely due to injury. Yeah, that's another tweet from, uh, I don't guess you pronounce his last name, Uva, Mike Uva. Uh, Bentley out at least six weeks with a broken foot. When did that happen? That I don't know. It must have happened during the game at some point. Oh, uh, goodness. So what happens to Will Muschamp <laughs> now? Uh, because even He's with a healthy gone. Bentley, they were losing a bunch of games this year. He's gone. He's not a good coach. Let's just move on and let him be a defensive coordinator the rest of his life. He's not See, a good head coach. Given South Carolina's history in their football program, this would be the first year he's been there that they wouldn't make a bowl if they don't make one. They fire him that quick? They have a... They've taken a step back, though. They were good his second year. They weren't as good last year. Now they're going to miss a bowl. They have a hyper-inflated sense of self after Steve Spurrier winning 10 games three years in a row. Fair enough. It's not reality, but they—they they, that's where that is coming from. As Steve Spurrier showed, and really, you can—if if you're in the SEC or any most Power Five programs with the right coach, you can win a bunch of games. It doesn't matter who you are, but Steve Spurrier going in there and doing what he did made them believe that they should be like one of the nation's best programs, and it doesn't help that Clemson's up the road doing just that. It's not really rooted in reality. It takes a special coach to win there. And it's not the program winning like an Alabama would or a Georgia would, but, et cetera. And the thing for me is this. Somebody has to be third best in the East behind Georgia and Florida right now. South Carolina could be that team with the right coach. Even though they have to play Clemson every year, they could be a consistent 7-8 win team every season with the occasional year where they jump up to 9-10 wins. In other words, sort of the same expectation level we've set for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. But Will Muschamp is not the guy to get you there. Stick with the injury theme just for a second in the uh, losers category. JT Daniels, ACL out for the year. That is a tough break. New offense and looked pretty good early in the game against Fresno State with uh, kind of a pseudo air raid. It was not like the, the Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury air raid. They have more of a commitment to running it with Graham Harrell calling plays there at, uh, at Southern Cal. Uh, but Daniels out for the year. And uh, true freshman, now the starter at uh, at Southern Cal. And congratulations, uh, you've got uh, 
Stanford coming into town on this Saturday. Anything else in the losers? Rippy, have you given us a loser? Um, Did I? Well, I you kind so. of did because you said Georgia State, but in reality, Tennessee. Yeah, it's probably more so the loser, Tennessee. Um, who? I guess I could go Missouri. We didn't actually put them on the losers <laughs> list, so Missouri, you're on the losers list. Fair enough. Tough loss for them. Some big numbers for um, for Kelly Bryant. He threw for over 400 yards, but uh, some big turnovers in that ball game as well. Are we leaving anybody off that is either a winner or a loser from the weekend? Justin Fields is a winner. Even though playing Florida Atlantic, really, really impressive, and he showed why Tate Martell had to get the heck out of town. Yeah, Jackson State's mascot. Yeah, that's a winner. Is that a winner or a loser? It's a winner. He got a hundred percent penalty for getting into a scrap after a touchdown. It's awesome. Ran into the end zone, talking noise, trying to pull guys off the pile. A little bit of a scrum. Penalty flag comes in for the. Uh, the Tiger mascot. Those are your winners and losers. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. When we come back, we will dive in take a little closer look at uh, the Ole Miss-Memphis game from this past Saturday. Sit tight. Five o'clock hour today will be all college football. We'll bounce around the SEC. We'll bounce around the top 25, and uh, we'll try to have a little fun with it. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday, Labor Day. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Michael Borky. Let's take a little closer look at the Ole Miss-Memphis game from Saturday. So I guess we should start kind of like we did with the uh, with the box score. When you, uh, when you look at the Rebels and the Memphis Tigers. I thought I had it up, but I don't. First of all, Rippy, the first half box score, that was a little difficult to look at in real time. 42 yards of total offense for Ole Miss in the first half. 43 passing, negative one rushing. That is correct. That equates to 42. Negative rushing yards for 30 minutes of football. First 10 rushes went for a yard. Why was that? It can't just be because of a bad offensive line. I don't know, man. Did you see where they were in the backfield after Matt Corral handed the ball off? That's a good point. Hey, Dan, did you watch any of it? Or were you able to watch any of it? I couldn't see any of it. I, I was getting some updates here and there and keeping up with it on Twitter through Rippy, obviously. But no, I wasn't able to see any of it. And I haven't watched a replay yet either. You didn't miss a lot. That, that's, that's, from what I can tell, that, that, that depending on your perspective, that, that would be correct. Uh, Memphis jumped out to a 7 to nothing lead, 5.23 to go in the first quarter, one-yard touchdown run for Brady White. It was a 13-play, 74-yard drive that lasted six minutes and was aided by two uh, 15-yard penalties. There was a face mask penalty on Sam Williams, and it was one of those where you completely get why the referee threw it. I still have not seen a replay that's definitive as to whether or not he actually got the face mask. Um I, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it looked like a face mask in real time. I thought maybe his hand had kind of gotten under the face mask and, and got him on the collar. You may have seen a different angle. Uh, I don't know. So you get that one, and then you get the uh, the roughing the passer call on third and long 
which allowed Memphis to extend the drive. Once they extended the drive, they stuck it in the end zone with uh, without a lot of trouble. 40 seconds left in the second quarter. Patrick Taylor, and he was impressive, by the way. That is an impressive-looking running back. One-yard touchdown run, finished off a seven-play, 37-yard drive, lasted just three minutes and 19 seconds. They doinked the extra point. That was one of the more violent doinks I've seen in a while. That thing hammered the pole. It was not a glancing blow. It was one of the ones that uh, after it hit the, the upright, it didn't just cause the right upright to shake. Like the shaking of the right upright was so violent that the left upright was shaking as well. That that's impressive. Uh, so thirteen to nothing at the half. Ole Miss scores with three eleven to go in the uh, third quarter to make it thirteen to three. I actually thought there was a um, a, a mistake that was made earlier in the third quarter. Um, Luke Logan had missed a fifty yard field goal in the second quarter. Would have been good from 53, 54, maybe fifty five. He just missed it out to the right by nah, two or three feet. Uh, didn't didn't hook at all. He just kind of hit it straight. Borky, he didn't block it quite like one of your drives, but left it out there. Whoo! Richard's throwing haymakers today. Yeah, especially after I beat him. Yeah, I was awful, I and I beat him, and he's throwing golf haymakers. But that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, you thought they should have kicked it because the four because there was a forty-seven yard field goal. They went for it on fourth and five. You you gotta. One, it gives you an opportunity to get the zero off the scoreboard and maybe give your offense a little bit of confidence. But when you play the game forward, then you kick a field goal on your next offensive possession, you make it, you're down 13-3 to instead of being down one score at that point. Yeah, um, so they were moving the ball really for the first time all afternoon. They had just gotten a big turnover when they really needed it because they got the huge. What I thought was good, if Ole Miss had won the game, the swing in the game would have been where Taylor was called down upon review when he rolled over the guy and got to the end zone. And Absolutely, then Benito Jones picked off the screen pass. What like two plays later, maybe yep. it was a play. So, and for a guy who's often crucified for never taking any risks and never going for it on fourth down, I didn't mind it. But your line of thinking is not wrong either. So I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't. I didn't hate that as much as you did, but it's a completely a judgment thing. So hindsight being twenty twenty, yeah, you don't have the safety. It's thirteen thirteen at that point. If you kick the field goal and he makes it, he'd miss a fifty yarder. I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree with yours, but I also didn't hate what he did. It's just one of those things. Fair enough. I just feel like football's played differently than it used to be played. Which I mean, no no crazy news flash there. And and in my defense I did say on the air at the time, whoo. You don't want to try and knock the zero off the scoreboard at that point? Anyway, I'm not calling plays. I don't get paid to call plays. I, I, like you, understand why they did it. I just didn't really agree with that there. Fast forward, it's 13-3. to Then Scotty Phillips with 11.49 to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, gets a touchdown, makes it 13-10. to Ole Miss forces a punt mid-fourth quarter, and Memphis' punter had flirted with a touchdown, a ter- touchback inside the five-yard line twice already in the game. This time he hit one that kicked, bounced, rolled, and was down at the one, inside the one. Really one of the more significant plays of the game because Ole Miss played really poorly on special teams, and Memphis, for the most part, played pretty well. Their second touchdown was set up by a long punt return. Because they all for the second touchdown they only had to go thirty seven yards. There was a couple of missed tackles. He got it deep into Ole Miss territory, and Ole Miss had a couple blunders. You had Jerry Neely take the like 
He tried to kneel it inside the five-yard line, which if you kneel it inside the five-yard line, you do not get to take it out to the 25. It is actually a place where you put You've the You've got a fair down. catch it. Yeah, but, you know. Right. So, um... You can fair catch a kickoff anywhere in play and have the ball placed at the 25. I was being a little bit facetious saying it's generally a bad idea to take a knee inside the five, but, yes, he could have fair caught it. Kind of blunder there. <laughs> Ole Miss performed pretty for- poorly on special teams, and Memphis did not. And that was a huge play because then you have, you know... They overload one side, the blitz, 15-10. to Because that felt like a huge difference in the game to where it's like Ole Miss down a field goal. If they had gotten the ball with two minutes left and change, field goal seemed a lot more realistic than them getting all the way to the end zone. You okay with trying to throw the ball out of the end zone there? I didn't see the play in real time. Um, I was coming down to the field at that point. It was gotcha. in like the tunnel. It had just <clears throat> happened as soon as when I got out there. I saw it on replay. Borky, um, were you okay with the play caller? It looked like there was a missed assignment. Um, which what you mean because nobody blocked the guy that sacked the quarterback for a safety in right? The end zone? Yeah, and so if if an assignment's not missed there, he has a little bit more time. You were having success running the football, and so maybe that would have been a little bit more conservative. But it, when when I see other people throw out of the end zone, it works. And if if there's not a missed I, assignment, who knows how that play goes? So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you never throw out of the end zone because I see it all the time, and it works. Often. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I do not at all hate the idea of throwing out of the end zone. In, in fact, I don't generally love the idea of trying to quarterback sneak it, which you can't do out of the shotgun, or just hand it off and try and gain a yard for more breathing room. I like the idea of throwing out of the end zone if you have an offensive line that you trust. And I thought you had, you thought- if you got an offensive line that hadn't blocked anybody for the entire game and you're down a field goal, and the one thing you can't do is give up a safety and give the ball back late in the ball game. Eh, maybe a little bit different story there. Yeah, and th- that was a moment where they could have started. I mean, and they didn't do it much during the game. There was one instance where Crow missed an open receiver on the run. He kind of rushed it a little bit, but they did not do much. And this is what Billy Napier did so well and got Mississippi State on their heels. They didn't move the pocket at all. Or they did, but just not very often. And that could have been a good moment where you get him out, uh, out of the pocket some roll your quarterback, get him into space because he is a capable runner. And so if there's nobody there, he can he can tuck the ball and run some. Didn't see a whole lot of that, and maybe that would have been a better moment. If you got to throw out of the end zone, move the pocket some. Get him out into to space where he can throw the ball away or whatever. Um, but they chose not to do that. I thought the answer Matt Corral gave uh, with regards to that play was one of the more telling for how the entire game went. He just kind of looked... He kind of paused for a second and said, a guy got confused and missed a block and I didn't have time to throw it away. It's kind of the sound of a young football team that was somewhat overwhelmed at times. Yeah. So Bryce Huff comes up with the safety for Memphis. They go up 15-10, to 10, and Ole Miss has to free kick it away. Matt Brown hits a massive punt, and then Memphis runs out the clock. 6.27 to play in the ballgame. Ole Miss punts it back after the safety. And uh, the Rebels never touch it again. Memphis goes 14 plays, 39 yards, 6 minutes, 29 seconds, and runs out the clock at the end. It's a pretty impressive drive because Memphis uh, converted, what, two third downs and a fourth down? It's a yeah, really gutsy think, fourth down call, too. I think it's, as much as, as well as the Ole Miss defense played for most of that game, I think the last drive, at least from eye test judgment, they looked a little worn down, a little bit tired. And so a product of the offense being so bad in the first half is the snap count really got a hold of them in that heat on that field in that last possession. They almost got to stop twice. They didn't do it. So like that last drive seemed to be a culmination of a lot of things Ole Miss did wrong that really didn't have anything to do with the defense. 
Memphis was plus 17 and a half minutes in time of possession. That's a Hugh Freeze type set. And Phil Longo as well. Yeah, but for a different reason. What do you mean? Like they were designed for the offense to go fast in that situation. The you offense you just see how couldn't. quickly Ole Miss got on the ball, though, when they did move the ball? He was trying to go fast, too. Yeah. Uh, 916 to 544 in the first quarter, 1020 to 440 in the second. Uh, Ole Miss actually a uh, little bit more than uh, Memphis, both at about seven and a half minutes in the third, and then 1144 to 316 in the fourth quarter. That's tough. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Where does Ole Miss go next? Talk about that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, Monday afternoon, Labor Day. What are you guys doing for dinner tonight? Anything on the grill? Anything fun? Nah, no time for all that today. Why not? Well, I mean, I worked most of the day. I haven't had a chance to do anything. Well, I'm saying you're, you're going to go home though when you finish the show. I mean, you could like light the grill when you get home, couldn't you? I mean, I, I guess I could, but I haven't planned for anything. I haven't been to the store to buy anything for that. Yeah, nothing in the freezer you can throw on the grill. Well, it's in the freezer. It would have to thaw now, wouldn't it? I want to eat at nine o'clock. Yeah. Hmm. Could have taken it out at. I didn't plan for it. Did you? Did you hear what I said? Forky, you put anything on the grill tonight? Uh, my wife's cooking for me. Um, she feels bad uh, because I fell, so she's gonna. I don't know what she's cooking, but she's cooking for me. I need to try that. I did a piece of sympathy pie <laughs> for your. You got to start you with getting yourself a wife an idiot. I think that's a little strong. I think you should just call yourself clumsy and uncoordinated. See, but I would like to think I've still got a little coordination and athleticism left, but that's probably just uh, inflating my own You tripped on the ego. sidewalk today while you were walking your dog. I was running, first okay. of all. Evidence that makes it against better. you, Rorky. I was running, and it was a concrete slab that was elevated some, and I didn't first see time it. You've, first time you've run on this street? On this path, yeah. All the more reason to not look where you're going when you're jogging Yeah, along. you know, I was waving at somebody, too, which makes it even worse. Oh, did the story just take a turn here? Uh, well, like... it was a car driving by. I waved to literally everybody in the neighborhood. I, I don't know why. I, most people don't wave back. Um, so didn't you establish that they hate you in the neighborhood? No, just, just the person. one guy that called the police on us for just having some friends I over. That, I thought but, it was a gal. Oh, I have... No, it was a guy. I had to speak to the manager situation last night. <laughs> did you now? Yeah. What happened? I went and saw a movie and, like... We uh, like snuck around, like you know, people sneak in candy. Yeah, snuck in like a can, like a drink. And uh, sure, it wasn't a Red Bull. Uh, no, but somebody uh, somebody was like, "Hey, that guy's a can." Told the manager. Oh. You had somebody rat you out at the theater for sneaking in a drink. Yeah, and the guy looked at it, and was like, "If this has been alcohol, I'd have booted you out." And I was like, "Let's well, not." And he was like, "Carry on." But yeah, someone behind us was like, "Hey, that guy has a can." Or that guy <laughs> what a, a can. pathetic loser that person is! I was like, I mean, how, does that affect God. You? "How does that affect you at all?" I was honestly mad. I would have been a huge—I can't say that on air—but like, I had gone to the bathroom at the time, and so like he came up and uh, he came up and like was talking to uh, my girlfriend sitting there while the movie's going on. Yeah, and I'm like, I walked up on this, and I was like, "What is going on right now?" And like he's inspecting the can as if it's some kind of contraband. And uh, 
But yeah, I was like, we're not going through customs here, buddy. So like do you a, think when you got up, the person got up and went and found a manager? Or do you think like somebody walked into the theater and he like flagged him and I was like, hey, hey, these people right here in front of me got some contraband. I don't know. She told me that he was searching the roads from the time he walked in the theater. So it sounded like someone saw heard us like either open it or something earlier. But like, yeah. Can you imagine being that like? God, if I hear somebody I just, open a can in a movie theater, I think, God, I should have thought of that. That's just was painful. It, was it an adult? We, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. It was dark in the theater. You didn't turn around and be like, seriously, man? I was honestly, because I wasn't there when the guy first got there, I was so confused as to what was going on at first. By the time that happened, I was like, all right, whatever. I've missed 10 minutes of this movie now. I, you know, I ran back and forth to the bathroom to try to miss as uh, like little of it as possible. Now I've missed like 10 minutes because I still don't understand what's going on. So. Honestly, if I'd been in a worse mood, I'd have probably ruined someone's You day. didn't call the guy out after the movie? Was I, I would have stood up and been like, who's the rat? I would have probably ruined someone's day. I would have told him that, you know, I sought you out because you're stupid and you deserve to feel dumb. But I, I didn't. The guy acted like he was doing us a solid letting us stay in the movie. I was like, are you going to cuff us? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> mm. Like... <laughs> I'm gonna need for you to show me on this ticket where I can't bring a soft drink in here. To be the, to be fair, the manager was not like I think he thought it may have been like beer or something at first. And so like once he realized that like it wasn't, he was just like he was. Not, As you tell the story, I'm honestly more surprised that it wasn't. No, it was wasn't. it a Red Bull? No, it was a uh, it was just like a can like like Dr Pepper or whatever. Oh my gosh, this you you run into some some tough luck with people, man. Yeah, can you imagine if it had been an Uber driver? What if the guy, the guy that ratted you I bet out the guy was actually an Uber driver? Is a part-time Uber driver? I'd be willing to bet anything. They're on to you, Rippy. Hey, have you guys bumped into one of the Uber Eats people? So I was picking no. uh, picking my daughter a burger up uh, the other night, and the Uber Eats guy comes in, and he has he's got like a lanyard around his neck, and there's like this square badge that says Uber Eats, but it's not like just like a paper badge. It's like a miniature version of an iPad or something along. It's like backlit. Like that's a serious. You think that guy did that on his own, or you think Uber sends you those to wear when you're an Uber Eats person? I hadn't ventured into Uber Eats. I've had enough trouble with Uber. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi. Still can't believe you didn't say something to the guy. Yeah. I think you, you, he must have been big and you were scared of him. I don't know who it was. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Just after 5 o'clock with you on Labor Day Monday. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and Michael Borky at Sports Talk Mississippi, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. So whether you are uh, looking to buy a piece of property, a recreational piece of property, maybe you want to build a dream house in the country, or maybe you're a farmer with equipment needs, looking to refinance an existing loan, get your production loan, or uh, buy equipment, Check out Mississippi Land Bank. You can go to a branch office near you, or you can uh, give them a call. Find all of that on the website, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land.
One college football game left on this opening weekend tonight at 7 o'clock. It is number 9 Notre Dame at Louisville. Uh, Game kicks off uh, on ESPN again at 7 or just shortly thereafter. Notre Dame, 19, 19 19.5 point favorite depending on uh, where you look. And the total in that game is uh, 54.5. So it's a big number. Rippy, you like those uh, underdogs early in the season, don't you? I guess I went heavy with that on Friday's thing. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what to make of Louisville. I just and the last thing I saw of Notre Dame was not very good in the bowl game. Uh, the college football playoff game, yes. Um, I don't know. Do you see Notre Dame going in and winning by twenty something plus? I don't know. I don't know what to think of Louisville. New head coach. They were such a train wreck a year ago. Not good. No. Um, Borky, did you go back and look and see how we did on our uh, picks? I have not yet, but I will. It was not great, at least on my end. I had Toledo. That was a loser. Bama was a winner. South Carolina was a loser. Tennessee was a loser. Georgia was a winner. Georgia Southern was a loser. Auburn was a winner. So that's three and four. Wyoming was a winner. Four and four. Ole Miss and State were both losers. But four and six in my picks. Yuck. Not a great start. Hey, Dad, you didn't even make picks, did you? I did not. Okay. Well, didn't make picks and didn't get dessert. What did you do? Wait, he didn't, didn't get dessert at dinner? Well, wherever we asked him on Friday, he said no dessert. I didn't, get, I didn't get dessert with lunch. I got dessert with dinner on Friday. Did you get dessert Saturday night at Giacomo's? No, I was full. I couldn't have done dessert. Did you miss out on a really good dessert? Did anybody get it? A couple people got dessert. Uh, there was a coconut cream bread pudding nah. and a uh, creme brulee. I got a bite of creme brulee. I take that back. Somebody ordered that. I said, can I have a bite of that? And they said yes. Fair enough. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Uh, Ford dealers. For about six weeks, I've been telling you about the Hurry Up and Save sales event. Now you really better hurry up to save because it ends tomorrow, September the 3rd. That's the final day that you can take advantage of up to 20% off MSRP on year-end 2019 models. You can go in the morning, test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer, and then uh, drive home a new deal tomorrow afternoon. Great way to uh, come out of the Labor Day weekend with a new vehicle from Ford. Um, So let's talk some SEC from the weekend. First of all, a lot of the national talking points from this weekend has been like, oh, the SEC's bad. The SEC had some some bad losses this weekend. But it also had some impressive wins. Uh, I heard Barrett Salee on his radio show yesterday afternoon, I think, trying to make the argument that the SEC was absolutely no different from any other conference in America outside of having two elite teams. Feels like it's a little early to make that big judgment one way or the other, doesn't it? And that premise is also flawed. Because, one, I would argue that there's three just off the top uh, with Alabama, Georgia, and LSU looked like an elite team. I mean, they have elite talent, and they show, they looked like one on Saturday. Let's, let's hold off on that for one more week. I tend to agree with you, but I'm not ready to make that declaration based on... Sure. 
Georgia Southern. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Good but, stuff. but just pushing them aside, well, the SEC's got two elite teams, and it's crap just like everybody else. LSU didn't look like crap. Texas A&M has one of the few national championship head coaches right now. Kellen Mond looked really good. It's Texas State, but he looked really good. Florida, you know, that first game with Miami, but Florida may not be a bad team. It's just making a sweeping judgment like the SEC is two teams and a bunch of crap is way too early. It was an awful Auburn? weekend for the league. And Auburn, Auburn beat Oregon with an NFL quarterback. Auburn's probably the fourth best team in the SEC West. And they beat either the best or second best team in the Pac-12 on a neutral site. Yep. With a true freshman quarterback. But and did you see anything in that defensive game? Line. Did you see anything in that game though that makes you think that Auburn could beat A&M, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Alabama? Yeah. You did. That okay. kid I, continues I, to improve. See, I look at that and I think that was a really ill-advised throw, and that his receiver made a really great play to sort of save them on that. Well, but, why, hold on. What, what was ill-advised about the throw? I mean, he slightly underthrew a one-on-one coverage with time left still to kick a field goal. I just didn't. I don't think that's. I, I guess maybe I could be playing this the wrong way. Maybe it's an ill-advised play call. I don't know, but I, I didn't like that. I, I thought you could just play it safe and kick the field goal and get the hell out of there, but. For me, whatever, I, I didn't see anything from Auburn that made me think, okay, for sure, they can win more than seven games. That Nobody that, had that, a better win this weekend than Auburn, though, did they? No. I'll agree with that. Georgia State? Georgia State, yeah. <laughs> In terms Missouri, of not huge upsets. I, I was reminded of my, uh, my friend, the late Stan Sandroni, as we were... You know, it was like planes, trains, and automobiles getting home from Laramie, Wyoming. When Ole Miss, Ole Miss played a day game, afternoon game in Laramie back in 2004. First game I ever did on TV. It was a pay-per-view broadcast. And we literally got back to Oxford about 4 or 5 in the morning. Got to the airport to fly out. There was a flat on the plane like there had been when we got off the plane after landing two days earlier, and then bus to Denver, had to wait for an hour and a half on security, got off one bus at a time, reloaded, then the long flight home, then the bus. Anyway, just took forever. And San Sandroni, in his infinite wisdom, remarked, you sure did fly over a bunch of teams to get to Laramie, Wyoming, to play a football game. <laughs> yeah, Missouri didn't fly over quite as many as Ole Miss did, but uh, still a long way to go to uh, play the second of a home-and-home with uh, Wyoming, and they lost, 37-31. Good crowd, good atmosphere, playing it at elevation, about a mile up. Uh, I think, I have to go back and double-check this, but War Memorial Stadium, where Wyoming plays their home games in Laramie, is the highest elevation football stadium in all of college football like 8,000 feet and change. Anyway. Aside from Boulder, but that's a different kind. Different kind altogether. Um, Arkansas got a win 20-13 to against Portland State out of the FCS. Man, if they're winning in week one, how good are they going to be in week 10? Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's not like they played South Dakota State national title contender at the FCS Northern level. Iowa? Yeah. Not one of those. Not... Uh, James Madison, no, Portland State is bad at that level. 
twenty to thirteen. That's Ole Miss's opponent this Saturday in Oxford. What have you seen more than one quarterback for Arkansas? Well, they played two. They announced that um, Starkle's still the backup. Ben Hicks will be the starter against Ole Miss, uh, former SMU player, in week two. South Carolina blew a late lead. Jake Bentley really bad. Toughest schedule in America. South Carolina has now gotten even more difficult after losing 24-20 to a team that went 2-9 and nine a year ago. Has a head coach that's returning from the retirement circle. Circuit. Not circle. Circuit. And uh, Phil Longo calling the plays. They just nope. won so many one-on-one matchups on the outside. I guess that's his offense, right? Is chase space and win one-on-ones, but... Uh, North Carolina's receivers were just better than South Carolina's defensive backs and low percentage, uh, deep balls, that kind of thing. North Carolina just won those, and that offense looks good when you do that. Kentucky pulled away late after being tied at 14 at halftime with Toledo. They get a 38-24 win thanks to a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns. Tennessee, I actually talked to a Tennessee fan at church yesterday morning. I said, well, at least you got that touchdown late to make it 38-30. He said, that made it worse. <laughs> They're down 38-23 with like a minute left, and Tennessee got a garbage time touchdown. Uh, Garantano was not great in the uh, in the game. Tennessee's defense tackling was just putrid, and Georgia State gets a win. That's my line. But it wasn't all bad. Let's look at the good wins from around the SEC and uh, some of the highlights from week one when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. So the Indianapolis Colts signed Brian Hoyer to what, like a three-year, nine, $10 million deal and have also signed an extension with Jacoby Brissett for two years and $30 million total. $20 million of the 30 is guaranteed. So if you were expecting or hoping Chad Kelly to jump into the role as the backup or maybe even the starter at, uh, in the Indy, uh, that has gotten a lot more difficult for him. And remember, he's out the first two games of the year because of uh, the NFL suspension anyway. So. If you're the Colts, what are you doing? I don't know. I mean, seriously, it unless they truly believe that he can be – and a long-term starting quarterback, he, he was going to be a free agent at the end of this year. You didn't have to sign him to any kind of of an extension, even if it's just for one additional season. What are you doing? Hmm. Uh, go. Well, if he's good, then you've saved yourself from having to pay him an exorbitant contract extension next year. Maybe. I think at this point, though, don't you know what he is? And... Well, I mean, you have, you're sort of hoping that he's more than what you, you think he is. Which is, I mean, all they really want him to be is a solid starting quarterback. I don't know that they expect anything huge from him. Well, they're yeah. about to lose the division again because Houston got a whole lot better well, this they week. Were, they were going. Yeah, we haven't talked about that, have we? Laramie Tunsil getting traded. Yeah. So Houston gives up first round picks in twenty and twenty one. And a couple of players, and I think a second-round pick in either 21 or 22 as well, uh, in exchange for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Yeah. 
Houston was busy this weekend. They also traded um, Jadavion Clowney. They were playing Madden. Those were Madden trades. Those are the kind of things you do on a video game. I've never two huge, you know, first round, you know, the first pick in the draft, and a guy who would have been the first round pick, first pick in the draft, got traded to the same or to and from the same team in a day. That's something you do when you start your new franchise. And on the other hand, look at Miami. That's just a full-on dumping off your assets and assets in tanking. I feel so bad for Josh Rosen. He got drafted into the worst situation in the NFL and then got traded to a team that got rid of their best offensive lineman who the reports were last week that the team threatened a revolt if he got traded. Like he apparently, uh, despite you know having smoked a little marijuana uh, when he was in college, apparently he's a glue guy in the locker room uh, looking at you New York Giants, traded him off. And got rid of Kiko Alonso for a special teamer. Uh, Miami's just blowing the entire thing up. It's unbelievable. Then, yeah. You're tanking no. for tanking to get Tua in all likelihood, but you just traded away the guy who's going to protect him. No, you're you're right about that. And and then from a Houston standpoint, I, I actually talked with John Harris earlier today about this. He was asking, he's like, "Hey, what are we getting with Laramie Tun- Tunsil?" I said, "You know, pretty low key guy with a good demeanor who." is set to be a top-five tackle in the NFL, assuming he stays healthy for the next eight years. And that's what Houston wanted. They were bad on the left side of the line last year. They needed to improve it. They've got a first-round draft pick at left guard, and now they've got an all uh, a Pro Bowl left tackle to theoretically give Deshaun Watson more time and more protection and more confidence. And, yes, they gave up a lot. But John said, look, he said, if you go draft an offensive lineman in the first round, you're hoping that he pans out, and you've got to have time to develop him and have time for him to grow into somebody that you really trust. He said, you give up a bunch, but you bring in a guy that you know what he is today. And pretty uh, pretty impressive for Laramie Tunsil. And then with Clowney, what, they got Barcavius Mingo and somebody else in return, but that deal wasn't going to get done. They were a long way apart in terms. I don't know that the financial terms that of what Clowney actually wanted ever came out, but it was a massive number and a number that honestly would have put him either in the neighborhood of or beyond what uh, Matt got. That's what he wanted. He's really good, but is he worth that? Especially when you need offensive line help so desperately. He doesn't play consistently week in, week out. Yeah. He'll play a I great game and then just not show up for a couple of weeks. If we could go back, we should put Deshaun Watson in the winner's list, though. <laughs> no question. Because he has to be the happiest guy in Texas right now. I mean, no question. And that's a team that's built to compete right now. Yeah. They'll, they'll win that division, and they'll they'll challenge in the AFC. That Monday night game a week from today looks Ooh, even. That should be a I good mean, one. That's good stuff. Pretty exciting Monday night tilt to start things off. You got two. Oh, is it the doubleheader day? Yep. What's the other one? What, what's, what's the, the West, West Coast, Coast game? game? Yeah. Um, the Raiders and somebody? Probably two teams out West. Hold on. <laughs> Did you just go out on a limb there? I did. Um, 
Raiders Denver, or Chargers? Denver in Oakland. There you go. A little rivalry game. If that's still a rivalry. You think Antonio right, so Brown what? has a helmet by then? Yes. I think Hey Dad said it best. Or, or maybe it was Rippy. I don't know. I'll give credit wherever it's due. Somebody named he Brian. He didn't want to go through training camp. Yeah, it was Rippy. He didn't want to go through training camp. He's good. Regular season now. Well, they just paid. use your feet thing as your excuse to get out. Yeah. Well, maybe his feet were getting better. <laughs> Hard to hide it, I guess. He's like Hugh Freeze. He had to come up with something that people would remember. <laughs> well. It's iconic. Oh, man. <laughs> Did Hugh Freeze really say that he would be the answer to a trivia question one day as a result of that? Well, he was already the answer to a trivia question. But <laughs> now, now to multiple trivia questions. Yeah. All right, so we talked about some of the bad losses in the SEC. What about some of the good wins? Uh, Alabama was uh, pretty darn good. And the defense down a couple of linebackers in, uh, in the middle uh, seemed to be okay. Duke kicks a field goal at the end of the first half. Alabama wins 42-3. to and uh, you were saying video game a second ago? Two ad video game numbers. Oh, yeah. See, 20 of 23? Is that right? Uh, Skip Bayless thinks that Saban in the back of his mind regrets it and wishes he kept Jalen Hurts. Does anybody else see that? I saw that. Um, I don't agree with that. Tua Tagovailoa, 26 of 31, 336 and four touchdowns. He also five ran it five times for 15 gone. yards. I just I don't think Skip Bayless actually believes that. I think he's just being a takesman. What? Yeah. You think Skip Bayless? Skip Bayless said that he would never make up a take. Never. Also, wrestling is real. Would you guys think I was crazy if I said I was impressed with Vanderbilt after the first quarter? Not no, at we all. talked about it. No, they're 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 fine. They got through Georgia. I think relatively healthy. Um, thirty to six was the final, and it probably wasn't actually that close. I mean, Georgia was never in doubt. Boy, Jake Fromm looks like a veteran quarterback. They have got speed all over the field. Georgia led it fourteen to nothing after the first quarter. It was twenty-one to six at the half. Georgia kicks a field goal in the third quarter, and then two more in the fourth. Vanderbilt made some plays defensively. I thought their play calling was fairly creative after they, again, they just kind of took that barrage of punches early. 40,350, the attendance. Hard sellout. 35,000 of them Georgia fans, and that's probably being conservative. Do you think? It was insane. I would have said 30. Well, yeah, Everywhere the student section look. as well. Do what now? Uh, the Vanderbilt student section was full for the most part. So, yeah. 30's LSU, 55-3 to over Georgia Southern. You still squatting on your Joe Burrow take? Or do you, did you see anything? 23 of 27, 278 yards, five touchdowns. Miles Brennan played most of the second half, went 7 of 12 for 72 yards. Very impressive. But let's see it this week against Texas. Do you think we will? I'm 50-50. I could see both. I could see him reverting back to the the Burrow that played poorly last season, but I could also see that this this newfangled offense is going to be a real thing, and that Orgeron has unlocked the uh, the potential there, and and they could uh, run roughshod over him. I, I'm not as confident in my bet with Borky as I was a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah, you, you feel like you're probably buying Borky dinner, don't you? Hey, Dad's coming around. We'll go to New York when he gets the trophy. <laughs> now, if we can go to New York, I'm, I'll jump on the borough wagon right now. Probably not going to New York for a borough Heisman Trophy presentation. Louisiana is close to Mississippi. There's Tiger fans here we should serve. Auburn Let's scored win. 14 in the fourth quarter. Oregon looked to be in complete control of that game, and Auburn comes back and wins it 27-21. to Best win by any team in college football. I'm stealing that from Rippey. But that was the game that we talked about being the marquee game. Pac-12 was looking for that landmark win to say we're better as a conference, and then they lost to the sixth-best team in the SEC because they couldn't hold on to a lead and they couldn't hold on to the football. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.